Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to the Capital City Soccer Show, your independent source for everything Austin FC. On today's show, we've got a couple of interviews with the leaders of Austin Soccer Foundation and Soccer Assist about the the efforts that they're doing in the Austin community. Uh, we've also got some more player signings to talk about, some of them rumored and some that may already be done. So my name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey everybody, I'm I'm Jeremiah Bentley. Um, I want to open by talking about the MLS uh, playoffs. We're down right now, down to three teams because we've got one finalist and one match to be played on Monday, which will come up before the show. But what did you think about the uh, Columbus and New England match this afternoon, Landon? Um, it was it was not the. Uh, I, I think I'll sum it up by by quoting a Jeff Reuter tweet from earlier. I think he said something like. I could swear that I saw this exact half of soccer played in 2011 or something like that. So it was like a very, very MLS 1.0, 2.0 type of game. Like not a lot of strong chances, but uh, yeah, Columbus ended up pulling it out and I think they deserved it. I think they had more chances overall in the game. So I think that's a fair, a, uh, a fair outcome. And because they won, they will definitely be hosting MLS cup. So they had a more, points per game than seattle even though they're both three seeds okay I didn't uh, know that. columbus had more points per game than seattle did so they get to host mls cup so um it, like as jeremy said as you guys are listening to this uh you will know who's playing in mls cup but we don't know yet but it's gonna be columbus versus either seattle or minnesota um any predictions for that one jeremiah um i think that it's got. I mean, it's, you have to pick Seattle. I mean, I, I would. Rather, I would like it to be interesting and have some other possible outcome. And I have a little bit of soft spot in my heart for Minnesota because I went to a match last year and got to meet the people from Dark Clouds, and they're really cool. And we got to sing Wonderwall in the Wonderwall and all that. So like, they're kind of they're near to my heart. But I mean, Seattle is just so good, and we've we've talked about this before. Just the way they're playing and and the way they're you know, the way their stars are playing like stars and and succeeding in the playoffs is amazing. How, how about you? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, I've I've got a soft spot for this Minnesota team this year just because of um they like when they're on, they're a lot of fun to watch and with uh Reynoso and uh Kevin Molino being in such good form right now. I think Reynoso had like I don't know was it six assists in two two playoff games or something like it's something crazy it's like crazy. that. Yeah. Um but those two guys playing as well as they are, like they could absolutely do it. They could beat Seattle, but we know who Seattle is and we know what they've done for the last few years. And so I honestly, I'm I'm not going to be disappointed either way. I think I would be excited to see either of these teams uh, take on Columbus in the final. And I think, I feel like Seattle would be more of a guarantee for like an entertaining game because I think you, you like you know what you're gonna get if if Minnesota doesn't bring it like they have the last few games it might not be a good game but I feel like Seattle Columbus is like I I could be wrong but I feel like that has a very high chance of being a fun game to watch yeah and that's the weird thing about the game today is that this this entire playoffs has been really interesting and fun and exciting and full of craziness and you know all the things that we've grown to love about MLS and this was like such a a step back toward toward the style of play that we did not love. And I, I thought it was strange that we got all the way here and then to have that kind of match today yeah. <laughs> out of those two teams was odd. But I mean, maybe, you know, New England, I mean, credit to them. You know, they were, what, an eight seed, um, had to win a play-in game, had to beat Philadelphia. I mean, it was a heck of a run. Uh, so maybe that was, you know, they, they kind of played a style that that allowed them to win and they just, they just kept doing that. It didn't work out today. Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing that, there haven't been more games like this in the playoffs, right? Like, I think we're a little bit spoiled this year with how good all of these games and like how exciting these games have been this year. So I think if, if we got one of them like that, then okay, fine. We, that's, that's fair. I'll take it. So, um, a couple of episodes ago, you guys will have heard our expansion draft or our mock expansion draft that we did with the Chris's. And so we wanted to give you guys a little bit of a preview of what we're going to have next week. So generally we release these shows on a Tuesday. We're going to put the next week's episode off a couple of days because the expansion draft is happening on Tuesday. So 
Um, we're going to give ourselves a day to do some homework on the uh, the players that Austin FC chooses in the expansion draft. And we're going to have uh, Chris Haig and Chris Wellhausen back on to talk about these players that the, these newly signed Austin FC players. So that'll be a fun show. Uh, hope you guys are looking forward to that one, but it will be a couple of days late, um, probably on that Thursday. So uh, be looking out for that. Let's get into some Austin FC on-field news. So Club Guarani out of Copa Libertadores kind of saw that one coming. Yeah. Uh, so not a huge surprise, but um, that means that um, Cecilio and Rodney will play out the rest of the league season throughout the rest the end of the year. And then I guess they'll be coming to Austin maybe in January even. So that'll be something exciting to look out for. Um, final Academy match of the fall season was this last weekend. So U15 team beat, uh, it was against Solar FC. Is that right, Jeremiah? Right. Yeah. Solar FC. Yeah. So U15s won 2-0. U14s lost 1-2. U13s won 2-1. Uh, U15s had a really good season. I was looking at the standings. So they have it divided by regions. Um, Austin FC was at the top of the Texas table. Mind you, they played a lot more games than uh, some of the teams. Like FC Dallas had fewer wins, but FC Dallas only played four games and they won four games. So um, regardless, Austin FC had a really strong fall season. So um, I think the whole MLS... MLS next tournament or MLS next uh, organization is kind of slow playing releasing schedules and all of that just because things are so up in the air. So they, they will be playing a spring season. We don't think we know very much if anything about that season yet, but the, the Academy will be back in action in the spring. So we'll be, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Uh, let's get into some player rumors. So I think uh, we wanted to revisit a rumor that we mentioned on the last show which was Paul Aguilar. So uh, what what have we seen about that, Jeremiah? Well, yeah, on the last show, it was just, I mean, it seemed like a, a rumor with no connection other than that we knew that he was he was going to leave where he was and that he, he had talked about MLS, but there was no direct connection to Austin. But then this week, uh, Sports Illustrated had a, what, like three-sentence article that was posted <laughs> yeah. for about a day um, that said, uh, Aguilar, coming to MLS, has signed with Austin FC, Everybody got excited about it and screenshotted it and put it on Twitter, um, and then it suddenly disappeared. So I don't know if that means that there was an intern playing around with a website or if there's there's more meat on the bone on that one. So did you look any more into that? Yeah, uh, Not into that particular story, but I did look more into Aguilar. So I was uh, admittedly a little bit, uh, a bit, a little bit cold on this rumor on the last episode, just because I didn't know a lot about this guy and he's 34 year old defender. So, um, I've, I've now looked a little bit more into who he is and what he's like. And so, um, I, I think now that I've seen the man dance that I am very into bringing him to Austin FC He's he's got these bizarre celebration dances that he does when he scores or is involved in a goal. And I would sign him just for that, just because it's like the weirdest stuff you've ever seen. And it's just like you would have never seen anything like that on an MLS pitch before. So I'm I'm into signing him just for that. But um I I did look into what kind of player he is also. So I think like in his in his top form, I think he's a great player. He's really exciting uh, fullback, likes to get forward, put in crosses, um, likes to be on the ball. So he's not just like a lockdown defense fullback, even though he, he seems like a decent defender as well, but he likes to get forward and attack and have the ball at his feet. So I think he would be a fun player. My biggest questions would be how much money does he want with looking at just kind of like I, I couldn't find what kind of money he's actually on. But um, I think the average Liga Mickey salary is just over $400,000 a year. So with a guy who's been with a top club for that long, you would imagine he's maybe making a little bit more than that on his Club America contract, meaning we could probably get him for a little less than that, given his age and probably a shorter term contract. So he wouldn't be a DP. Um, he would still probably be a fairly expensive defender, but not a DP. And then... Also his age, he's 34 years old. He played a ton of games in 2019 and it looks like he 
it wasn't playing 60 minutes and getting subbed out. He was going full 90 almost every game in 2019 and got um, got replaced in the starting lineup by a 22-year-old right back this year for Club America, which is why he hasn't played that that many games this year. But um, yeah, I, that's my biggest question is like, how much how much gas does he le- have left in the tank? And if if the answer is a lot, then I'd say go for it because I think he would be a, a fun player to have on the team, a really strong veteran presence who has won, I think, I think seven titles with Club America, something like that. Um, so knows how to win, experienced player, seems like a fun guy, good locker room presence. So if if it looks like he still has legs, then I say let's do it. Yeah, and the salary thing, I was just thinking about this. Um, we saw, I think it was on Twitter and maybe on Instagram too, like he's Club America was going to cut his salary back significantly, right? Isn't that the, isn't that the thing that got him like so upset? So it was originally the the talks were they were going to sign him for like I think they said like six more years or something, which is a crazy long time for a thirty four year old. But then they're going to cut his salary by seventy or eighty like, percent. That's what I thought. Yeah, I remember seeing that and like so, seventy percent. Yeah, and he's like, okay, you know what? I'm I'm done with this. And then they came back again. The next offer was we'll we'll resign you for. Uh, 20 days so you can play in the CONCACAF Champions League and then be done. And he turned that down too. So he's just going to be done with the, with the the last game that they played um, in the, the Ligia, like their playoffs. That That's his last game. And so he's not going to play in the CONCACAF Champions League with them, not going to resign. And that's where those rumors started coming from. So we'll keep an eye on it. Who knows? Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Cause we were almost positive. The Hector Moreno thing was going to yeah. happen a few months ago. So we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, one that seems like it absolutely is going to happen is Julio Cascante from Portland. This one is not just some random Twitter rumor. This is Tom Bogert, uh, is the one who's reporting this. Tom Bogert is like the new, the new scoop guy in MLS. Like if Tom Bogert reports something, that means it's a done deal pretty much. And so um, Julio Cascante is a center back from Portland, 27-year-old uh, Costa Rican, and the rumored transfer fee is $250,000. So, um, yeah, what what have you seen as far as reactions online from this, Jeremiah? Yeah, we have. I have two different distinct reactions. Um, one, we have a guy in Los Verdes Slack who's like a lifelong um, Portland fan who like happened to join the day that this came out and he was really negative. I don't remember exactly what he said. Um, but the, I think the one that we have that's, that's public that, uh, Sergio Tristan, uh, passed around from an agent friend that was relatively scathing. And I'll just read it. It said he's poor tactically, bad technique, loses his man easily, very clumsy, caused a high number of goals in three years in Portland. Only thing he has is physical strength and air presence there are way better CBs for cheap in the USL. So, Landon, that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't seem like super positive. So, so maybe, maybe we should spend some time on that. So, what what is your response to that tweet from what you've seen? Yeah. So, I did some digging on uh, on Twitter and on um, on Reddit, just trying to find like Timbers fans' reactions to this this uh, transaction and. I think there there are quite a few people who seem to think that he's uh, a very mistake prone player, and I got on Y Scout the other day and watched um, most of like most of his interactions in games for the last like year and a half, and then went back even further and watched specific actions during like the twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen seasons, and I just I didn't see that he was like making mistakes left and right, so I think. Probably the cases that he's prone to making a big error every once in a while, but I part of what makes me think that this this reputation is maybe a little bit overblown is that um, I, I saw several people talking about like own goals and and things like that. He has two own goals uh, total for his whole career, and that's like not that bad for a center back, right? I think where he gets his overblown reputation is that in 2018, one of those own goals was the only goal in a game against Seattle. And so, yeah, that's tough. It was a game where everybody's watching. uh, They end up losing one nil. And the only goal in the game was an own, like a pretty bad one. If I say so, is like a pretty clumsy own goal by Cascante. Um, 
but yeah, I, I can see like, it's probably not entirely made up that he's error prone, but I think maybe it's a little bit overblown for that reason. So before we get into the scouting report part of this, I want you to, I want to go back to what you said about watching video. Cause I think that's probably not very common among Austin soccer fans. So can you like talk about why scout and what it is and like what an intense soccer nerd you have to be to have a subscription to it just to watch <laughs> guys. Can you unpack that a little bit for me? So why scout is like, um, it's, it's essentially a scouting tool that like professional soccer scouts use, but just like any, anybody can buy a subscription to it. And so, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I decided to buy myself a gift and get myself a year long subscription to Y scout. So I can start watching video of, Austin FC players as we start signing them. So that's what I've been doing with a lot of these, these guys is just jumping on. And it's really cool. You can like split it up by specific actions. So I actually went in and looked at own goals by Julio Cascante and there were two of them. And it's like, okay, <laughs> that's not that bad. Uh, but I, defensive actions and passing and things like that. And I'll get, I'll get into to more of that in a bit, but yeah, it's, it's a really cool, cool thing to use. And that's, that's how I've been watching a lot of and that's how I was watching Cecilio and Rodney at first as well. When I didn't have a way to watch any of their games, I'll just watch their highlights on my scout. All right. Well, it's yeah, there's that, that level of preparation. You don't necessarily get everywhere. So, <laughs> so, so with all the video and what you've read, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what type of player is and, and what we can expect? Yeah. So he's, he's a decent sized guy, six, one, six, two. Uh, he's listed at 170 pounds, which seems a little light for me. He looks bigger than that, but, uh, he's a right footed player, but has played at left center back a lot for Portland. He's, he's played at right end left center back, but mostly on the left, it seems for Portland. Uh, he's a good athlete. Um, as, uh, Sergio's agent friend mentioned, he is, um, a, a good physical presence and really good in the air. So, uh, winning, winning crosses and things like that. And then has also scored some goals off of set pieces with, with headers and things like that. So, um, he's not afraid to step really high and win the ball and put in a foot in, in kind of risky positions, which is maybe where he get another part of where he gets his reputation is if a center back misses one of those and they go through and score on him, then yeah, it's, it's a little bit, uh, risky, but I think the reason why Austin FC are maybe interested. So just based on what we've heard Josh Wolf say about what's he, what he wants in his team. And then also, based on watching the academy teams and what they do with their center backs. A lot of times if um, those academy center backs get the ball in the back and they have room to push forward and even just even step around a defender and push forward before they make that first pass, they do it almost every time. And that's something that I saw Cascante doing pretty regularly. He's, he's like, I'd say he's an average passer of the ball, but he looks very comfortable dribbling with the ball and kind of pushing forward. And I think that's probably a thing that maybe made Cascante stand out to Wolf is that he seems to enjoy pushing the ball forward on, at his feet before making that first pass. Yeah, that's good. And we talked about, um, well, I guess we we were at Austin Beer Works with with the Chris's, you know, sort of talking about where we you know where he would fit um, overall in the in the team, and you know, it's we're going to need more than two center backs. I mean, it's just like that's that's the thing in MLS. So maybe he's not, you know, your number one star or whatever, but there's definitely a role for him to play, which, which I think is what we have to look at is like, how does this fit into the context of the overall structure of the club and the roster construction? And we'll know a lot more about that over the next month, more than we know now, but overall, like what, what do you think about this deal and sort of where he fits into what we, what we see the club building? Yeah. I, th I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think context is everything with this signing. Like, if we, we said this about Cecilio, right? Like if Cecilio is our number one DP signing, then that's probably a, a disappointing roster build. I'd say the same thing for Cascante. If if he's going into the, the start of the season, if he looks like he's our best center back, then I would be concerned. But if he's like one of the guys in the rotation, because how, we were talking about with this, with the Chris's the other day as well, is like how many MLS teams have a nailed on center back pairing. There's like not very many of them, right? Like most of them have kind of a rotation that they, they work in and out. I would suspect that's the plan for Cascante. I would imagine he, he's 27 years old. He, he started a lot of games for Portland in 2018 and 2019 was, was like one of the starters for most of those seasons. 
And so he's got a lot of experience. He's seems like, uh, like just like a good dude. Uh, I watched some videos, just like interviews with him as well. Seems like it would be a good presence in the locker room. Uh, teammates seem to like him. So I think just a good squad player, good rotation in that center back pairing. Um, but yeah, like I said, if, if he's the, the best defender we have going this season, I'm concerned, but if he's just like a rotational center back, then I'm, I'm happy with this. I'm, I'm not that concerned about it. Yeah. And financially he doesn't make a ton of money, right? What's his, he made like 170 or something. Yeah. In 2019, he was on 170,000, which I would imagine it would be the same this year. So that's not, not a ton for, for us, a center back of that age, really. Yep. That, that makes sense. Okay, so we're, we'll get into this next week because everybody has started announcing who they're keeping and who they're not and free agents, you know, who might be available, who might be available in the expansion draft, who we might sign otherwise. But there's one particular name that I think we need to cover, um, and that is <laughs> Will Trap. where you're going. <laughs> that is Will Trap. And, well, let's start, with, let's start with why Will Trap is an interesting name being associated with Austin. So can you, can you give a little a bit of that backstory? Oh, well, he was like, he was Mr. Columbus crew, right? Like he was the captain, captain of the Columbus crew for a few seasons. Um, and during all of the Austin Columbus saga, he was the captain of the Columbus crew. Uh, only this last season did he get traded to Miami and played this whole season at Miami. Uh, but before then he was like the, the poster boy for the Columbus crew, which would make it a very interesting signing if he yeah. came to Austin. Yeah. And beyond that, like the poster boy for save the crew, like he got, he got very, uh, vocally and, and like, you know, notably involved in that whole movement more than just like a guy who played for the team. Was, and I think he's a Columbus guy too, if I remember right. Like he's, he's from Ohio. I don't, yeah, he's an Ohio native. I think that's yeah. true. Um, but yeah, I, I think a lot of people like, especially, United States national team fans, they have uh, maybe an image of who Will Trap is. And I think you you need to kind of separate your ideas for the national team and who would be a good MLS player. I'm, I'm in the camp of like, I don't want Will Trap anywhere near the national team. <laughs> but as far as uh, like central midfielders go in MLS, you could do a lot worse than Will Trap. He's... He was the like one of the main pieces in that Columbus team for several years, and that those teams were good. Like they were usually pretty good teams. So, I I mean, if you're looking at just players who are available as free agents, and you look at this really experienced player, he's still just like 27 years old, I think. Um, he has played under our head coach before. Knows what this guy wants has very good things to say about our coach. There's, I pulled an, uh, a quote from, <clears throat> from Will Trapp that he gave to Chris Bills after Josh Wolf was hired as our head coach. So as most of you know, Josh Wolf was the assistant coach under Greg Berhalter in Columbus while Trapp was their poster boy there. So this is what, uh, what Trapp said about Wolf. He said, he just has a knack for being able to take a message, take information and really break it down so players can understand it, buy into it and be comfortable with it. Um, on top of that, he has a work ethic and a love for the game that is infectious. I remember doing drills and him with him over and over and he makes you excited about the game. So this is a guy who, who likes our head coach, has played under our head coach, knows our head coach and would probably be able to help implement the system that Josh Wolf wants to implement in Austin. And so if you take the rest of the drama out of it, that sounds like a really like a good signing, right? Yeah. Yeah, he does. I mean, he seems to check every box. And I remember um, when that when that first announcement uh, was made that he was going to be available. You know, I, I know Chris said there was a there was Bill said there was a, a lot of comments that he had from Will Trapp. Like he's just he's really into Josh Wolf and loves Josh Wolf and would follow him. And I think for every reason that that you've mentioned, he would be a good signing. And maybe irritating Columbus Crew fans would also be <laughs> yeah. like a bonus on that. But, but, if, but you know, beyond that, but with that familiarity and his age and his talent, like I have not seen another name that excites me as much either from among the people who have been free agents. Like if you look at that Miami list, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to be the next team to trot out Wong at Agudelo and like hope it works out again. I mean, this this seems like something that could be exciting. Yeah, I I, I like. 
I could see it not happening for these like external reasons, like reasons outside of soccer. But from a soccer perspective, like I said, it makes sense. So we'll keep an eye on that over the uh, kind of the free agent period as well. Um, anything else we want to cover before we move on to our interviews? No, I think let's go ahead and set those up. Um, and we're happy to have Austin Soccer Foundation and Soccer Assist um, come on the show. You know, they've been a part of the soccer landscape in Austin for both for years. And I think when you before before Upper Ninety moved to Austin FC, you know there were basically three main nonprofits that did a lot of soccer work around town, and it it was Upper Ninety and, and these two. And we interviewed Caitlin, uh, which we mentioned. We interviewed Caitlin on our very first show. So it's good uh, in December to hear kind of what they're doing and, and what they're up to and how we can help. Um, and then why don't you add why Aaron Rockland is especially interesting to the, uh, yeah, the interview so, process? Uh, yeah, one of the interviews is Scott Adair from Austin Soccer Foundation. Uh, really interesting to hear what they're doing. And then Aaron Rockland from Soccer Assist comes on. Uh, we take the opportunity to also ask Aaron about the Austin FC Academy because his son uh, is on the U15 Academy team. So we talk about soccer assist and the the really great work that they're doing, but we also take the opportunity to to get a little bit of insider info on the Austin FC Academy as well and kind of what that experience has been like for their family. So you get a little bit of a a double a, a double dose there on an Aaron, Aaron's interview. But I think you guys are going to like these. These people are doing really great work for the soccer community here in Austin. So uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with those interviews. We are joined now by Aaron Rockland, who's the president and founder of Soccer Assist. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank you both for having me on. I've been looking forward to this experience for a while. Yeah, so uh, Jeremiah and I have both gotten to know you a little bit over the last couple of years, but uh, just take take a little bit to tell our listeners uh, a little about yourself and who you are. Sure, I appreciate it. Um, well, my uh, main job is I'm a psychology professor at UT and also a licensed psychologist, but for the last probably six years or so, I've been heavily involved in the soccer community in part because my my kid's a high-level player and he plays on the Austin Academy. And about six years ago, uh, myself and some of my good friends founded Soccer Assist. Um, and that started from a very personal place. So uh, I could tell you more about that in a little bit, but I do that. I'm also a co-owner of Soccer Hub and uh, do some other soccer stuff in the community. So somehow, strangely, uh, become quite connected in the soccer world. Well, why don't you talk about the idea behind Soccer Assist? So you said you founded it with a group uh, about six years ago. Sort of what's what's the origin story? Yeah, it's actually a pretty good story. It comes from a very personal place. Um, our son, Dylan, who um, was about probably eight or nine at the time, uh, I remember very vividly I was coaching his indoor team um, at Soccer Zone. And uh, it was a really rough game. We were playing mini Mexico and they were beating us like nine, nothing at the half. And my son took one in the face and, uh, and I asked if he wanted to go back in at that half and he did. And he ended up scoring four goals in the second half and we lost like 20 to four. <laughs> and, the and the coach from mini Mexico came over to me and said, me gusta como juega tu niño, él puede jugar en mi equipo. And I looked at him straight in the eye and I said, Absolutely. It <laughs> seems like you know what's going on. And they were a spectacular team. And that started a really kind of powerful personal and soccer story of, of my son playing over in the east side with families and kids who were very different than us. And he became a much better soccer player, but more importantly, a much better person. And my wife and I began kind of uh, uh, hanging out with also uh, primarily Hispanic families on the east side. And it was just a very powerful story of uh, kind of soccer bridging socioeconomic and cultural um, barriers. And yet, at the same time, we were learning very clearly that a lot of these families had barriers to playing at soccer at the highest level and getting uh, kind of, you know, more clear opportunities and such. So that's where kind of the foundation for soccer has started and started to work with clubs like Lone Star and Westlake, who we're like, let me get this straight. You want to send high-level players to our club and help provide scholarships for that. And I said, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, so they were on board right away, and then kind of some momentum happened, and we 
started these really, um, you know, well-attended and very fun soccer socials, which I've always believed there's a need for and a powerful means to raise money. And so that's kind of how it started eventually through uh, networking and partnerships and good sponsors. And this was well before uh, Austin FC was even a rumor. So I'm kind of proud of that little fact. So um, you mentioned some of your fundraising events. So you guys now, I know for at least the last few years, have had kind of a big a big party as one of your main fundraisers. So can you tell us a little bit a, a little bit about those those fundraisers and some of the highlights of those? Sure, I really appreciate that. We're very proud of uh, of having really kind of classy but fun soccer socials. We've had one each year. It is our main fundraiser. We've uh, kind of profited about $30,000 um, from each one. Uh, we've had Landon Donovan's twice to our, to our parties, and he was an absolute, you know, uh, blessing to have and was so much fun. We've had, um, why am I blanking out? Stuart Holden's been at our party. Brian Ching's been at several parties. And then we've had great entertainment as well. We've had Bob Schneider. Um, we've had Tamika Jones. And uh, this last party, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it'll come back to me. It was a great kind of disco party. It was stuff. Skyrocket, man. That's and, like my wife's, uh, my, yeah, my wife's favorite cover band. Go. That's like the best, that's the best oh, soccer event she's ever been they, to. Oh my God, that means so much. So anyways, it's been like, we're very proud of our parties and we've had great comp, a great support, not only from sponsors, but also um, getting, you know, La Murga there. They were there at our last party, had an absolute blast. And anyways, it's been, a, you know, I think there's something, there's a niche there for having kind of fun soccer parties with people in throughout this city, this city, even more so with the MLS connection now, but getting together socially um, have a good time, raise money for a good cause. And that, that cause has morphed a little bit over time. And I could talk about that more later. But yeah, we're proud of those parties for sure. And getting a little reputation for it around the city. Yeah, well, let's, so you talked, okay, so you started with scholarships, right? And we, can, we can go to that next. Yeah. So, and then, sure. but it has morphed sure. a little bit. And I know you're in the, in the futsal court business um, yeah. with kind of, yeah. well, talk about it. I mean, kind of two, kind of one on your own and one with the club, but yeah, go through that and, and how that came about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I found out very early on about these mini pitches that were going on around the country. And I, I really kind of fell in love with the idea. And I, and from day one of soccer assist, we have saved 20% of all incoming money to, um, raise money for those courts. Right. So we've done that. And then also I'd say for the first three or four years, the other two things we've saved and spent money on, were scholarships and a free summer camp that we've put on, a free indoor summer camp, which I think is really unique and needed in the Texas summer heat. Um, but then a little bit more on those courts. So it took us a while <laughs> to, to raise enough money to get serious about that courts. But we went through the whole process of networking with the city and the U.S. Soccer Foundation, finding a right place. And our first one was in the Dove Springs Recreation Center, and they were very excited about it. It was very new. It was very like, what is this? A little bit of skepticism, both, well, from various parties. But eventually they were on board. And then we had two other sponsors, uh, Feirus Ben Yosef Consulting and Soccer Shots. And then we had one missing piece of the puzzle, <laughs> financially and practically. And then all of a sudden the Austin FC news finally went down. And I approached them, and to their credit, they were like, absolutely, We're, we want to get started on these right away, and this is a deal <laughs> for us to get in, uh, you know, on the latter ends of this, and I credit them and their organization for realizing that we knew what we were doing, <laughs> and they were getting in uh, uh, at a good level, let's put it that way. And so they've been fantastic. Um, I also kind of honor, you know, we're proud that we have center court there with our logo for the first court, but to the honor, the MLS team coming on, we're like, we want it to be black and Verde. And, uh, so that first court was designed that way. And then the latest court just was finalized about a month ago. And yeah, so that's been one of our goals and to try and we're probably retargeting our funds primarily towards building and collaborating with more of those courts because i think it's very powerful um not only socially but i think those courts are are uh, a success a technical success to 
uh, U.S. soccer moving forward and starting there to be more places to play um, in inner cities in a similar way to kind of how we see basketball courts and baseball courts all over this country. Yeah, and for those that don't know, your first one's in Dove Springs, right, which you talked about, and the second one's sort of, it's kind of close to the stadium, right? Breaker, or what, what's the neighborhood? Uh, it's at Woolridge Elementary Park elementary school and it's actually a really unique setup because it's a I don't know the formal language for it but at certain hours of the day it's reserved for use uh, primarily well exclusively for the elementary school and they're thrilled about it but then at a certain time in the afternoon I think like three or four o'clock in normal times it opens up and it's just a public park and this one has lights and it's going to be spectacular when when uh, this whole pandemic goes away, which we're all hoping it does soon, uh, there's going to be a lot of soccer going on in that court, both for kids, adolescents, and adults. So you've told and it's us very close to Lamar 183, Burn it. Yes, it's close to the new stadium. So you've told us a, a bit about what you do, but you you also mentioned your son Dylan, who is on the U15 Austin FC Academy team. So. What is the what what has that experience been like for you as being a soccer dad for uh for an MLS Academy player? It's been awesome. It's been uh very powerful, impressive. I think it's fantastic what the academy's doing. Um, you know, he was playing in the US Development Academy for two or three years before. So that part hasn't changed that much. We played high competition then and we're playing high competition now. We're just winning more. Uh, (laughs) and we have a lot more coaches and eyes and video cameras so that part's been very exciting um but yeah I mean it's been first of all it's been just a a pleasant welcome distraction in this you know pandemic and health crisis that we're in they've been very careful about that but obviously you know us parents it's it's nice to be able to still cheer on the uh uh, sidelines for your kid playing soccer. And that's no small feat, by the way. In, soccer, in uh, California, kids are still not playing soccer. Uh, I have family in Argentina. Nobody's playing soccer down there yet. So even something as simple as, uh, you know, your kids getting together for practice and games, you're, you're coming to appreciate them a lot more these days. Um, but kind of big picture regarding the academy, uh, it's a major commitment for, for kids and families, obviously. Um, but you know, it is, it is, it is the future. It is the present and the future in developing, um, top level soccer players in the United States. You know, I'm, I'm pretty convinced about that. Uh, and while we have a ways to go, I can tell you that those top teams around the country are producing phenomenal talent. And I think the coaches that they're bringing in, uh, are, are top level, including here at Austin FC. I think it's no accident. Uh, that a lot of them are international. The Austin FC Academy, uh, you know, has um, coaches and assistant coaches all over the world with a heavy dosage from Spain. Um, so it's just good all the way around. And they're treating it very professionally. There's also been a very recognizable um, focus on character and leadership um, and, you know, soccer IQ, so to speak. They're serious about uh, growing young men that the community can be proud of, not only just talented soccer players. So fortunately, I think I'm, they're on the path to, to reaching both of those objectives. So uh, that was a long answer, but no, that's great. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for explaining that. Um, a question that I think I've always had is, and I think you would be well positioned to answer it, having seen kind of this progression of what the top level of youth soccer looks like in Austin, since Austin FC has come in. What is what is the difference in that step up to being part of this like MLS next and and being part of an, an MLS academy as opposed to what has been available in Austin in the past? It's a really good question. I think part of it is the level of eyes and the coaches, uh, the number of coaches per kid. That ratio is always something to pay attention to, regardless of what level, you know, like how many kids are running around and how many coaches are trying to help get them to be better. And this ratio we have now, I don't know the exact number, but there are, oof, I'd say at least four coaches with eyes on our team every single day. There's also the U15 coach that we have. Um, there's only one team that he's, you know, coach of. And I know for a fact he's watching video, good quality video of each of those practices the next day. 
and games, and he's cutting clips of those games. So that is a huge factor. The other factor that's, uh, you know, that's helping is the best way to get better in soccer besides, you know, training and all that is to play with and against the top players, you know? So you don't, might not lift as many trophies with that mentality, but that's how you get better. And that's what's happening. So, you know, MLS next is there's some kinks to work out for sure. I think they're doing a fantastic job with the marketing. I think there's some logistical challenges that they're having understandably. So this first year with the pandemic, but it's becoming pretty clear that if you want to live here in the U S the best place to get better is playing well in the MLS next league for sure. But at least my opinion is it's, it's getting into an MLS Academy. So it's a little less political, I think in terms of, Oh, I hear this coach is better and this club is better. And all clubs, I believe, you know, have their strengths and challenges, including Austin FC, of course, as they're developing. But the best kids are there. I haven't heard of any kid yet in Austin turning down an offer to join the Austin FC Academy. So the top talent is there. And then, and this, you know, this is tough as a soccer parent, but you know they're always looking to make it even better the next year. So if you're on that team, um, you're the best, you know, one of the best 18 in the city, I believe. And that's why when we're having, you know, scrimmages and stuff locally, we're, I think we, we're always playing up. So we play some very good competition locally, 05s, but we're not playing our own age group. And I think that's probably a good decision. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So I've got one, I'll give you one like bragging dad um, chance. Cause I saw this, I think it was on Dylan's Instagram oh. video. So what, what did, what did he do to stay busy during the pandemic? Well, um, well, a few, a few brag a dad moments. First of all, Dylan has scored the first goal in Austin FC history in a regular <laughs> game. Pretty proud of that against San Antonio last year. It was a header, ironically, for the, <laughs> short, for the shortest and smallest kid on the field, weighing, weighing in at barely 100 pounds. And the other thing, Dylan's got a good uh, uh, social media following it, at Dylan Rockland. I guess I'm his parental manager of sorts. Um, but over the pandemic, when we didn't have due practices, he actually did a lot of training with Club Independientes in Argentina, virtual training, um, which now we have a player from Club Independientes. So that's a small world connection. So that was cool. But he also did a lot of uh, tricks, you know, just juggling tricks and stuff like that. And he did one where it was like a juggle, flip it over his head, connect it, and then just launch it. I don't know. It was probably... 30 yards into our basketball net and it ended up getting kind of picked up by a number of uh, social media channels, including ESPN Deportes. So he's got a big following now in Argentina and Colombia and I don't know. So I think it had like a million hits or something on that. So uh, if you want to check some of those out, you can see his Instagram or he, he's done pretty good on that. I, so I remember watching that video and he, when he realized it went in, he, you can yeah. see that he goes to like celebrate a little bit, and then he's like, "No, yeah. no, I got to play it cool. I got to play it cool," yeah, yeah. and like stops that himself was... and just walks off, 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 like walks out of frame. And then he not only walks out of frame, he grabs some hand sanitizer. And oh sanitizer. yeah, that's right. <laughs> In the theme of the pandemic, of course. So we thought that that was a good way to pay tribute to the current moment. All right. So before we we wrap up, we want to just give you an opportunity to tell our listeners uh, what what's the best way for people to support Soccer Assist and and the organization's mission. Mission. Thank you. Well, our mission, you know, is is focused on creating more of these soccer courts, um, and that's going to be our primary focus. We're looking forward. We actually had two parties uh, scheduled and canceled in 2020, so that was very unfortunate. We really believe in our live parties, so we're waiting until we can do that. Um, so follow us on, I think our, our, the best way to follow us is on Facebook, Soccer Assist ATX. Uh, you should see it pop up. Um, and then attend our parties, you know, attend our parties. Obviously, we welcome donations, um, but we want, we want you to be there at our next party so you can have a blast, connect with people, uh, connect with Austin FC, learn how more about how and where we're partnering with 4ATX, uh, the charitable arm of Austin FC, of course. We have 
you know, more plans on working with them. And if you're part of a company that wants to be a part of one of those courts, potentially, there are some opportunities to do that and have your, you know, logo co-branded there with ours and uh, 4ATX and potentially Austin FC. So there are opportunities for that that are pretty actually cool. Um, if you're at that level, please contact me directly. <laughs> I'm pretty easy to find on social media as well. well. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Aaron. This has been great. Hey, no problem. I appreciate your help, guys. Thanks, Aaron. We are joined by Scott Adair, the president of the Austin Soccer Foundation. Scott, thanks so much for joining us, man. Oh, thank you, guys. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, so uh, to to start off, just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I'm a longtime Austinite, lived here 32 years. Um, I'm just really kind of a big soccer fan. You know, I've been Liverpool fan for, you know, 12 years or so, kind of got involved in the uh, Austin Soccer Foundation indirectly through that. Uh, I'm also a financial advisor at MLNR Wealth Management, and my firm really kind of encourages us all to get involved in nonprofit work on the side. And so uh, that sort of motivated me to get involved as well. But uh, yeah, I like to run, I play guitar, so I like to, you know, be pretty well rounded. But uh, like I said, I've been here a long time and very excited to finally have a major league sports team, in particular soccer, of course. Uh, coming to our city. I mean, it's just very exciting. Yeah, we're we're a little excited about it too. <laughs> yeah. inside, for sure. Um, why don't you give us the background on Austin Soccer Foundation, how it came about? We talked we talked about this a little bit before we hit record, and it's interesting because it didn't start as Austin Soccer Foundation. But share that share that story with us. Right. So originally, it it evolved out of the uh, Austin Aztecs, the Aztecs Soccer Foundation. Um, so when the Aztecs were going, they were, you know, they would have fundraisers and things like that. And I remember Landon Donovan and um, Brian Chang and Stuart Holden came and did like a, a clinic in town for several days. And they did kind of a, they volunteered their time and did like a, you got the opportunity to play a 3v3 versus those guys at halftime during an, an Aztecs game. And I was volunteering at that game, selling hot dogs for the Aztecs <laughs> foundation and that kind of thing. And I, I met some of the guys that are now on the board with me uh, on the Austin soccer foundation. So, uh, you know, when the Aztecs had to fold, uh, fold up, they, uh, you know, it was decided, well, let's keep the foundation going, but let's rebrand as the Austin soccer foundation. Um, so, you know, obviously there wasn't a pro soccer team in town at that time, but let's just go ahead and keep doing, you know, we like doing the work and there is a need. So let's keep doing the nonprofit work, but we'll just rebrand. We'll be kind of autonomous and try to be more like the umbrella organization and not necessarily affiliated with just one team or club. And, and what is the generally the nonprofit work? What, what types of stuff do you do? Right. So we started off, we had three main initiatives, and now we've added a fourth since we started. But we started off with uh, educational assistance, so scholarships, um, and then field development and player development. And then along the way, we added uh, referee development, because it's really one of those kind of under underrated or unsung uh, parts of the game that people don't always give attention to. But it's obviously a very important part of the game. And uh you know, there is actually kind of a shortage of referees across the leagues. I mean, you've got so many different leagues. Uh, there's just a need for refs. So we wanted to kind of help try to spur that along as well. So those are the four main initiatives that we started off with. And, you know, when you start, it's a little more difficult to raise money because you haven't actually done anything with those initiatives yet. And so along the way, now we've built up kind of a track record, um, giving out scholarships and uh, helping AISD with field development and, uh, you know, uh, doing a few referee clinics along the way. And so it, it helps when you have a five-year track record. It just makes it a little easier to go out and raise money for the foundation. So speaking of raising money, I know one of one of y'all's big fundraisers every year is the foot golf tournament, which happened, uh, I think the most recent one happened last month. And luckily enough, luckily enough was actually able to go on uh, this year, right. but, um, tell us a little bit about that, the history of the tournament and the backstory of the trophy. Yeah. Um, so we started the tournament about four years ago. Um, and we were doing it in the summer, 
um, you know, and it's, uh, we were trying to figure out a time when we could do it, when, you know, it wouldn't inter interfere with, you know, kids games, uh, EPL games, um, the men's league games, you know, all the different leagues, like we were trying to find a time. And so we thought, well, what if we did it in this kind of early part of the summer? But I mean, it was just scorching hot. Even when you start at 8 a.m., it's just really hot. And we all had a good time and it was, uh, it was a great event. But this year we kind of, you know, with COVID, we weren't sure we were going to do an in-person thing yet, but you know, it started to look like with golf and that kind of thing and foot golf. I mean, it's easy to socially distance. And so we, we were a little delayed, but we actually, we, so we did it in November this year. Um, and it's always been, uh, like I said, in the summer, but I mean, it, it, uh, it was just so much more pleasant. <laughs> the weather in, in early November compared to like, you know, early June is just, it's, uh, we didn't see anybody nearly dying of heat stroke this time. So that was a good thing. So, so, oh yeah. And so this year we started a new thing. We, um, we had kind of the charity shield trophy, uh, was Eddie, the armadillo. We, uh, <laughs> he rose from the ashes kind of like Lazarus. He, he was, that was from 2015. There was like an, um, MLS tournament here. Was it the Atex uh, pro challenge? I think, um, that the Aztecs hosted and, um, uh, yeah, so it's a big armadillo called Eddie, and so we, we uh, yeah, the winning supporters group got to uh, pose with it, and yeah, it was it was fun. People had fun with it. In which I heard that two two idiots on a podcast started a rumor that everyone got a got an armadillo <laughs> trophy. So I don't. So somebody yeah. needs to tell those guys what's what. Yeah, Br yeah, well, Brunson yeah. gives me a hard time about that. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie wasn't cheap, so I mean, if we had the money to give everyone one, that would be great. But um, we <laughs> we have to keep Eddie uh, the armadillo pretty uh, under lock and key. So, so how did y'all how did y'all come to into how did Eddie come into your possession? We actually made our own replica of it. I mean, we had it made, so we you know we we made our own. But it, yeah, it looks just like the real thing. So, um, what are some examples of other events that you guys typically hold? Well, so our really big one, too, in addition to the foot golf one, is our annual uh, awards, Austin Soccer Awards Gala. So, again, we weren't able to do – well, we weren't able to do that one in, in person this year. Uh, we did it virtually, but we've done – so that was actually our fifth one this year. So we've done four in-person Austin Soccer Awards Galas. And, you know, we have uh, – we honor the uh, Austin American Statement um, – High school male and female players of the year, the male and the, the coaches of the year. Um, you know, we honor our uh, scholarship recipients. Uh, we have a lifetime achievement award winner that we that we honor, and uh, that's always a lot of fun. And the first year we did it, um, I was the thing I was most impressed by was just how many different people from the soccer community you could see you know, hadn't seen each other in a long time. And they really, it was just fun seeing them all connect. You could just tell how deep the roots go. I mean, back to the eighties really. And so like, like this year we honored a guy, Nigel Bowman, who's been around forever. Um, he's big in the Austin men's soccer association. And, and I mean, he, he really put, uh, helped really the early days of Austin soccer in 198 in the 1980s, along with Wolfgang Sunholtz, who was a, a huge guy in the local uh, soccer community. Uh, he passed away a year ago in 2019. Um, uh, he was big in putting Austin on the soccer map, Austin on the map for soccer. And um, so actually this year we launched a couple of scholarships in Wolfgang's name. Uh, so that was exciting. So despite COVID, I mean, it's actually, you know, considering all that we've been through, um, it's been a pretty good year. I mean, we were able to do our gala virtually uh and we were able to do our foot golf tournament and the foot golf thing went so well and was since we had it at the end of the year this time we're actually thinking we might try to do two in 2021 so we may do one in the spring and one again similar to this year in the fall so it's 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 easier the gala is a lot more work to put together to be honest like it's it's a hotel you're dealing with meals you're dealing with ticketing and everything and getting items for the silent auction i mean it's a lot of a lot of stuff goes into that and we love doing it, but, um, foot golf tournament, we've done enough of to be kind of like, okay, we call Harvey Pinnock and just get it done. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, we, we we're, know we're looking forward to that. Quite a few Austin FC and Austin bold fans that have, uh, started playing a lot during the pandemic. They'll, they'll go out there every weekend, every other weekend oh, yeah. and we're playing a lot. So there might be higher demand of higher demand for it in 2021. <laughs> 
I'd hope so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Josh Jackson's out there. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) That guy. (laughs) He helped us out a lot. Actually. He was, he was kind of a consultant. You could say, (laughs) I mean, we've done, like I said, we've done several of these, but you, you know, you can always learn new things. And Josh is a great guy. I've, I've known him for a few years. So I always, I always like to say that anywhere in Austin, if someone touches a soccer ball, Josh Jackson will magically appear. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Hey, Scott. So what, oh, wait, I was going to ask something else. I was going to ask about ahead. the club, Scott. So, I mean, so you guys have been around for a while and you were around before Austin FC was a thing. Like how has the club being in changed your, your work or changed like what you do or sort of your profile in the community at all? Uh, not really. I mean, we, we pretty much do, uh, what we've been doing. I mean, we kind of carrying on in the same tradition. Um, and we're, we're good friends with Caitlin Swartz. She runs, you know, she's the executive director of 4ATX, which is obviously Austin FC's nonprofit wing. Um, Caitlin actually had a nonprofit organization that she started called Upper 90, um, she kind of launched that at one of our awards galas. I think Caitlin and, was uh, our first guest on this show, right, Jeremiah? Oh, she's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. She's, <laughs> um, yeah, she's great. She so she's they got the right person over there at 4ATX, and so she, we met with her and sort of you know she just wanted to get an idea of what we wanted to keep doing, and we just we gave you know talked about our initiatives and uh, made sure everyone's in sync. And I mean, yeah, I mean they're obviously the big fish, you know, and but. Uh, they have a nice big budget and they're doing good work. And, uh, uh, yeah, we just hope to carry on in that, in that tradition and keep the uh, partnership going. But so, yeah, we're happy for them. I mean, and then Caitlin and everything. So what is, uh, what does Austin soccer foundation have in store for the future? So right now we're kind of planning kind of end of year wrapping up and, uh, you know, looking out to next year, um, you know, like I said, we want to do another foot golf tournament, uh, maybe in the spring. Um, we're hoping to do some kind of an in-person gala this year, the award show. Hopefully we'll be able to do that, uh, in person in the summer, uh, possibly depending on what happens. But, uh, really what we want to do now is keep doing the initiatives I talked about, you know, with the scholarships and, you know, field development. We want to try to give, raise more money to give to AISD because it, uh, they have a middle school program that affects 19 middle schools. So, uh, you know, our donations to them really go a long way. I mean, um, it allows a lot of the kids over there to play soccer. So um, there's the scholarships, field development, player development, referee development. So really those four initiatives, we want to just go deeper with all those things. We, we kind of want to focus, stay focused on those things that we do well and really get out there and just raise more money to uh, focus on those initiatives. And so that's what we're going to focus on this year is just try to you know, have our usual foot golf and uh, gala events and just keep uh, preaching our message. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we have in store. Just keep, keep doing what we're doing, but push harder in those directions. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So um, what is the best way for our listeners to support Austin soccer, Austin soccer foundation and, and your mission? So, yeah, I mean, uh, we have a website and, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously donations are helpful, but also, you know, just keep an eye out on social media. Um, you know, we're out, we're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, of course. And like I said, we have a website. And so, um, if, if not only just donations, but people volunteering their time and just kind of, uh, keeping their eyes open for when we have our next event, just stay tuned and come, come on out. We're always happy to, uh, take on new, uh, foot golf players or people that want to help out in any way they can. All right. Awesome. Well, this has been great. Thanks so much for, for sharing your, your story and the, the foundation story. And, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Hey, my pleasure, Landon and Jeremiah. Thank you very much. You guys do a great job. So take care. Well, thanks. thanks. Thanks, Scott. All right. We'd like to thank Scott and Aaron for coming on and talking a little bit more about Austin Soccer Foundation and Soccer Assist. And then we also appreciated the perspective that Aaron had as a soccer dad and how the MLS Academy um, has come in and changed a little bit around how the top level of soccer works in Austin. We'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever we get your podcasts, and then also to visit CapitalCitySoccer.com, where Troy Bryant and Zach Mason bring you the latest in Austin FC news, including player rumors, sponsorship updates, and more. And Troy recently published an article that provided a visual representation 
of the money that Austin FC will have to spend on player salaries in 2021. It was a little bit of a, a companion piece to what we talked about on the last podcast. Yeah, much easier to keep track of it in a, in a visual form as well. <laughs> yeah, in a picture, yeah. <laughs> All right, we will be back next week. Uh, as we mentioned before, we're gonna, we'll talk about Austin FC and MLS news and things like that, but the primary part of the show is going to be our reaction and uh, kind of analysis of the expansion draft. So we're going to be a couple of days late. We'll likely be released on thursday uh, and we're going to have our friends chris wellhausen and chris haig back back on so um, be looking out for that but until then i'm landon cottom i'm jeremiah bentley we'll catch you next time Nobody is around.